Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. This is Suha Sridhar and Matt Gunn, here to talk about consumer goods. How's it going, Matt? It's going well, Suhas. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. So today I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some of the biggest trends happening right now in supply chain, especially as they concern the consumer goods industry. And so we'll talk about a couple of names out there and some of the things they're doing and how it kind of affects the supply chain in general. I know the consumer goods industry is going through a major shift right now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the things that are happening to retailers are also happening to consumer goods companies. When you think about it, most retailers are selling the products made by you know a consumer company. So many of the brands that you see in stores come from a consumer goods company. And so when it comes to hitting that end customer at retail, consumer goods companies are looking at a lot of the same things that retailers are looking at in supply chain. But we see examples of companies that have been big on change and some that are a lot slower. But first, I mean, let's take a look at a brand, Suhas, that you and I both like that really has changed the game. I know that you're a fan of Everlane, right? Oh, I love Everlane. So if you're not familiar with Everlane, they're a online fashion company that makes very basic styles. So t-shirts, pants, plain Oxford shirts for men, you know, simple shoes for women. And their whole premise is radical transparency. So you're able to see the cost for them to manufacture, where they're manufacturing products, how much it costs to transport those products, and what their actual markup is when it comes to selling it to you. They also tend to compare the prices of what you're buying to a retail shop. So you're able to see into their supply chain in a way that you might not have in the past. And this transparency is something that consumers are latching onto in more places than just fashion. What are some of the things about Everlane that attract you to them? So I think that they're really smart in the way that they market. They've realized that a lot of consumers, especially fashion consumers, want to know where their goods come from, where their clothes are made. They want to make sure that they're ethically made, especially after all of the Rana Plaza media attention. So. What's cool about them is that they not only are very careful in the factories that they select and they say exactly what their process is for selecting a factory, but they also give you a little bit of an inside glimpse into that factory, into how the goods are made, and they break it down by product. So if you buy a backpack on Everlane, you know exactly what factory that's made in, and you even know who the owner of that factory is, and they have a little bit of a biography of that factory. And then they also are really great on fulfillment. So Everlane has one hour delivery in New York City and in San Francisco. So that's actually, you know, being up there with the likes of Amazon who fulfill really well and really quickly. And it's just very easy to deal with them. You can order everything online. You can return things easily. That entire fulfillment process is pretty seamless. And it's actually easier for me to buy something on Everlane than it is to go to the mall and go shopping. Right. And in a way, it really personalizes the entire experience for you. Not only does it tell you who the people are making the goods that you're buying in a factory, but it also gives you really good expectations on what you're getting and the quality of what you're getting and when you're going to get it. And I think those things do matter to a lot of end customers. One other thing that I might add with Everlane is that while there have been a lot of trends toward reshoring or a lot of popularity in the sort of small manufacturing side of, say, American-made goods sold in America, etc. Everlane doesn't make everything in America. They're much more a microcosm of a larger type of company where they are global and they are sourcing from China or Vietnam or some of these other places. But they're very upfront about who the people are making these goods, 
the conditions of the factories that they're being made in, how they're being delivered to you, you know, all the way through that process as an end customer. That's a really good point because I think that often when we come to talk about sustainability and ethical production, there's sort of this false dichotomy that in order for something to be ethically made or responsibly produced, it has to be produced locally. And that's not necessarily the case. I think it is possible to have a responsible global supply chain that takes advantage of all of the economies of scale and the production capabilities of producing overseas, while at the same time being able to be transparent and ethical. Absolutely. And you are starting to see brands come along and be a lot more open and upfront and a lot more with these sustainable missions. And that's one of the big trends that I'd like to talk about in consumer goods, at least to start off. That whole idea of having a brand with a purpose and having you know, ethical, well-sourced goods and being less wasteful with your factories and how that actually matters as a brand. An example that I'd like to talk about is Unilever. They're one of the world's biggest consumer goods companies. And their whole premise is to have brands with a mission from the corporate side all the way into the individual products they sell, something like Ben and Jerry's ice cream, for instance, or Dove soap. You're seeing that they're not only as a marketing position, putting a purpose or a mission behind these companies, but it's going all the way through in their manufacturing processes. That's one of those trends that we're seeing in smaller businesses that are starting to manifest themselves with much larger global industries. So that's actually really cool, but it raises an interesting point, which is how are these large corporations that have been around for decades, how are they going to be able to transform their entire operations to be able to be, you know, matching something that is a startup that is lean and agile and, you know, with the latest technology. Right. And and it is that. You're not just turning the handlebar of a bicycle, you're steering a very large ship. And so moves don't happen overnight. But for Unilever, and if you hear some of their executives talk about how they're doing it, they set up these big, ambitious goals. So in their case, they set out with a goal to become carbon positive in their operations by 2030. And that includes sourcing 100% of their energy across all of their operations from renewable sources. So it does set a standard and it gives you a timeline for that to happen. Now they set that goal in 2010, so that's a 20-year span of time to be able to transform your entire supply chain. It's a little bit forward thinking, but if you consider sort of where the industries are going and where consumers are going, they're on the pulse of what people are doing in their personal lives and what they're expecting the companies that they purchase goods to do. Yeah, wow, carbon positive, that is incredible. Right. And so that's a very big goal. But as far as manufacturing goes, Unilever has reduced its CO2 emissions by 39% since 2008. Water usage is down 37% from 2008. And the total waste that they send off to a landfill has been reduced by 97% per ton of production compared to 2008. I mean, when you think about that, it's almost zero waste to landfill. Net 3% from a big global manufacturer like Unilever is still more than you or I will generate in a year. But it is significant when you consider that these are large brands that people in hundreds of countries are able to purchase and take home and use. Yeah, that's incredibly impressive. So what else do you see on that scale happening in consumer goods? Another example that we 
have, and it's a consumer electronics company, but everyone's familiar with Apple. Rather than simply manufacturing and reducing the carbon footprint in their manufacturing process, they're looking at recycling some of the old iPhones and turning those into new iPhones. Now, they recently disclosed that those efforts from recycling have recovered something like $40 million in gold, more than $6 million in copper, and $3 million in aluminum, which is significant when you think about not only those minerals going into landfills or just being thrown away, but in the money that Apple is saving through those recovery processes and you know, not contributing to more waste with the millions and billions of smartphones that are sold every year. That's kind of an interesting process, too, because you're talking about, historically, the production process was sort of a, a one-way direction. You have to actually take the supplies and then assemble them into the actual good, and then it goes to the consumer, and that's it. And now you're having to take into account the logistics of doing the reverse. Once the consumer is done with the good, then you you have to basically have a mechanism for recycling it, breaking it down into its components, and then reusing those materials. And that's got to be a, a really sophisticated process. Right. It's a big undertaking to be able to do that. And again, this is an example of a very big, one of the most valuable companies on earth doing it at a pretty large scale. So it can be done, but you do have to set these big goals up front. And Again, a lot of this comes back to the customer because it's what people are asking for in the products that they purchase. They want things that they can identify where they came from or how they're made. And they also want to know that the companies that they're purchasing things for reflect their own sensibilities as individuals. And so that's one of these things that ties the brand to the consumer even better. And so that's another one of these trends is getting the customer to the center of really everything that you're doing as a manufacturer. So what do you think, Matt, is the biggest obstacle that a lot of large manufacturers face in moving in this direction and putting the customer in front? What's the hardest thing that they need to overcome? I'd say one of the biggest challenges that they have to overcome is simply being agile enough as a supply chain and being responsive enough as a supply chain, not only to make these moves, but also to identify where everything is sourced from how the factories are working, and to be able to find those opportunities that might come from production processes or from transportation, that's a big generator of greenhouse gases, or simply just by how they keep the lights on in the factories. And so a lot of it comes down to simply having the right technology in place to be able to see their operations, to be able to know their suppliers and the suppliers of their suppliers, and to be able to report that to their corporate boards, to their shareholders, to the end customers. That's one of those areas where the digital transformation story kind of comes to play in a way that is driving results in sustainability and in the bottom line. So when you say digital transformation, you're referring mostly to information, right? Right. And it's bringing this data supply chain in line with the physical supply chain. So that is all about having the right data in place, knowing what the stories are inside of all of the massive amounts of data that you're generating, and then simply being able to extract meaningful stories or metrics or numbers from that data to be able to show progress or to be able to demonstrate the change that you're producing and how, uh, say, a small initiative like saving some power in your factories or reducing waste is having an impact in the entire company. It seems like we're kind of at this cusp of a really important change that's happening to a lot of industries and 
the technology from consumer industries like Google and Apple are making their way into this industrial world and, and they're having big effects. Right, I agree. And a lot of that just been things that we've been talking about for a while now, and it's something that we're now seeing really interesting stories produced as a result. Apple and Unilever are just a couple of small examples of how big brands are not only setting big goals, but acting on them and using technology and better information to understand where the opportunities exist for improvement and where they can continue to reflect a lot of what their customers are looking for. Very cool. Well, look forward to seeing what's on the horizon. Thanks, Matt. This has been a really cool update. All right, Suhas. Thank you. You've been listening to Supply Chain Radio. Mm-hmm.